from analog. Hi, Jim. You've a great signal up here. You're five times plus. Digital. We are everywhere you want to be. This is the CQ Blind Pam's Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CQ Blind Hams Tech Zoom for August 2023. Uh, this is a meeting of blind hams. We get together, and it's kind of almost like a network club meeting, if you will, except we do it virtually. And we have various guests and topics. And of course, uh, we cover things amateur radio from a blindness perspective. So if you're not here with us today, you're listening on a podcast, and we thank you very much for listening to CQ Blind Hams Tech Zoom. Um, if you want to learn a little bit more about uh, the Blind Hams group and all the various uh, ways that we have of contacting us and getting onto our bridge and interacting with us and all the fine nets and things that we run, as well as some very valuable and helpful resources, please be sure to visit blindhams.com. That's www.blindhams.com. So uh, it goes without saying, we are being recorded. So anybody who doesn't want to have their voice on a recording, I guess you're just going to stay muted the whole time. But we really encourage you to speak because the more participation, the better. Um, if you're not familiar with Zoom, uh, there's something that probably popped up on your screen that tells you that you're being recorded. If you don't hit the got it button, uh, you will not be able to interact with your meeting control. So if you haven't done that yet, you want to do that. At this point, anybody who is not going to be presenting uh, or hosting, please mute yourself and remain muted until uh, we open the floor for questions and comments. That way that keeps things nice and clean uh, for the uh, everybody participating as well as the listeners and it makes it easier to do edits and things like that. We ask that you wait to be acknowledged before speaking uh, and we don't, uh, and let's try not to talk over each other. So again, just to keep things clear and stuff. So without further ado, I'll go ahead and uh, introduce our hosts and crew here. I'll kick it over to Joel, W0CAS. Uh, What's going on over there in North Carolina? Well, about the same as usual, just weather and storms. But fortunately, I've got my 97-foot in-fed antenna in my attic, so I don't have to unplug, I don't think. Haven't had any trouble yet. Looking forward to tonight's talk. It's been one we've been wanting to hear for quite a while. So uh, we'll give it back to you, Julian. All right, thank you. And let's see, is Robert uh, NC5R with us tonight? I didn't hear him earlier. No, Robert's playing music tonight. Uh, ah, uh, he's playing music. Up. All right. And uh, Steve, WB2KTV, is he uh, gigging with him as well? Or... Good evening, everybody. Yeah. Oh, there you are. You snuck yep. in there. <laughs> oh, I tend to do that. Uh, I'm an ex-HFer, only because I live where HF cannot go. A little cracker box apartment in Manhattan. So, uh, but I listen a lot. So I know what's going on on the bands and I'm looking very forward to tonight's talk. All righty. And Angelo, I know, is there in the background currently in the midst of storms, but I'll send it real quick in case he wants to say a quick hi bye or something. No, I guess not. Um, so, uh, last but not least, thanks, is Julian. The, uh, oh, there you are. 
Yeah, how you doing, everybody? Glad to see you there. Yeah, we're in the midst of thunderstorm, so it knocked out the internet we're using the telephone hotspot. So, and um, Bob, I didn't know if you had a uh, slides or anything, but I made you a co-host so you can show your slides if you need them. All right, have a good time, folks. This is going to be a great one. Uh, back to you, Julian. All right, thanks, Angelo. Thanks for uh, setting all this up, and uh, now go uh, be uh, be safe from the storms. So uh, before we get to our uh, guest tonight, I just want to talk a little bit about uh, CQ uh, Blind Ham's YouTube channel stats. I'm going to call Joel in here in a second to help uh, fill in some of the details and uh, further explain these numbers. But in our last meeting, we talked about needing to get over the 500 uh, subscriber mark. I'm happy to say that we have done that now. In fact, we have added 137 new subscribers uh, over this last month, which is a good thing, but we certainly uh, could uh, use more because the more the better. We've had 818 total views and altogether 5,532 minutes of our material watched over the last month. So these are all good things and these are all numbers that need to continue to increase. We all need to spread the word about the CQ Blind Hams YouTube channel. There's a lot of good stuff there. Um, our content is helpful not just to blind people, but even uh, I've had I've uh, shown sighted people this channel, and uh, they've found it to be very helpful as well. And part of it is because I think you know because we're doing it from a blind perspective, we're narrating things in a different way and not just relying totally on, okay, yeah, you click here, you point there. Uh, we're giving verbal explanations, and I think that's helpful to a lot of people. So the bottom line is the more subscriptions and the more views, the more money we get as the channel gets monetized. And this is money that gets put uh, to use in a very good cause. It, it helps us to buy radios and accessible equipment like that to put in the hams of uh, blind hams, especially a lot of who are new to the hobby. So uh, it's, uh, it's a good thing to uh, to try to get these radios and these things into the hams of, of new hams to uh, join our community and keep the hobby uh, flourishing. So, uh, Joel, you want to say anything about those numbers? Well, that's about it. We uh, we have got 567 subscribers uh, as as of tonight's viewing. So, like you said, if we the one thing that I didn't notice when I started asking for subscribers was the view per hour, view hours per year, and it says we need 3,000 watched hours and within 365 days before we can monetize. And like I spoke of last month, we're going to take every penny that we get and put towards buying new accessible radios so we can have them available for new blind hams. Once a blind ham gets their ticket, we'd like to be able to hand them a new radio so they can get on the air immediately. So that's what the money is going to be used for. It's not any profit thing. It's uh, something that we can uh, help out new blind hams. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And uh, we, I guess we got to get watching. So, uh, is that is that what needs to happen we we need to subscribe that's important but not just subscribe we need to go on there and view so um just go on there even if you're going to listen to this podcast i know it's available on a lot of the podcast applications but if we stream it through youtube uh that's important because it helps us with the monetizing is that correct that's correct and uh I created two playlists yesterday. I figured out how to do that. That wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. So if you're just uh, 
browse around on YouTube, you go to CQ Bonhams, click on the uh, one that says Tech Zooms, or you can click on the playlist that says, uh, uh, I think I named it uh, Tutorials and Demos, and just click on one of those and let her play while you're cleaning the house, doing dishes, whatever. Just have it going on in the background. They'll help us out. Yeah, it's kind of handy to do. Sometimes with YouTube, I like to uh, Chromecast it over to the TV, which is going through the nice stereo speakers. So sometimes it's a nice way to uh, enjoy a podcast or enjoy a video in nice full fidelity. So uh, spread the word. Get subscribed if you're not subscribed. Get your friends and family to subscribe. And uh, let's get those views up so that we can uh, monetize this thing and uh, help put uh, radios in the hands of blind hams. So uh, without further ado, I will go ahead and introduce our guest speaker, who was no stranger by any means to the CQ Blind Hands Tech Zoom. He's uh, been with us before and always has interesting things to say. Uh, it's Bob Brem, AK6R from Palomar Engineering. And today he is going to talk to us about NFED antennas. So without further ado, Bob, go ahead. The floor is yours. Okay, thanks. How's my audio? Is it all right? It great. sounds good to me. All right, very good. Well, I want to thank uh, thank you for having me back. Thanks, Joel, for reaching out. And uh, fortunately, we were we got the uh, we got a good date today. And in fact, I'm doing four more of these this month. So you get, yeah, you're the first one. So I'm, I'm happy about that. And thanks, Julian, for being a host and and recapping all that. And uh, Angelo, I should be able to share a screen if you if I heard you right. So I do have a PowerPoint uh, presentation tonight, and um, a lot of it I repeat as, as I'm speaking. So if you don't get all of it, uh, you'll at least uh, you'll at least hear of it. So let me go share a screen now, and go find the one I want. Uh, let's see. Maybe it's this one right here. Okay. <clears throat> Okay, I think uh, I think everybody should be able to see that now. And tonight we're going to be talking about uh, multi-band NFED antennas. So these are not just single band; these are multi-band and much, much more. I have a couple. I have a secret topic tonight, which I want to uh, <clears throat> show you, and it's about antennas. So I hope you're interested in that too. But uh, uh, <clears throat> we've uh, we redid this. Uh, this talk uh, and uh, have added a few new uh, types of antennas to it, which I think you'll find uh, very interesting. So let's go. Let's go ahead and proceed. The um, for those of you, let's see if I can get this to go ahead. What here? There. Okay. So as I did before, uh, uh, for those of you who don't know much about Palomar Engineers, it was founded in 1965 by. Uh, Jack Altaus, K6NY, who passed away uh, to about at the age of 92, and he was still working CW uh, two days before he uh, passed away. And um, he was, uh, that was about uh, 2013, so about 10 years ago. Uh, my wife and I uh, bought the company. It was in a 10 foot by 10 foot storage area. And with all the engineering drawings that were in there, they were all in pencil. He had never gone to pen, so it was kind of fun. And I have copies of all of the old manuals and stuff. And we posted those on the website for any of you um, hams who, who want to look at some of our old old products or, or come across one in a swap meet or something and you need a manual for it. They're all up on the, up on the websites. Um, 
we we reorganized the company into an RFI solutions company, got very much involved with lots of different types of filters. And we also started making balance, really, really good balance and ununs. And we make them a little bit differently than everybody else does. And they're, they're very, very broad band, uh, similar to what you'd see in a, a linear solid state linear amplifier uh, output circuit, for example. Uh, we virtually don't use toroids or rings in any of our products. We use beads, and it's a much, uh, much uh, easier way to do it. And you'll see uh, a reason for that as we talk about the antennas. We wanted to provide products to make amateur radio communication more effective, more enjoyable, and uh, <clears throat> less expensive than, uh, uh, <clears throat> than it has been in the past. So most of our products are very well priced, and uh, you get good value for, um, for what you have. Our product line consists of ferrite core products, which are ferrites and typical, and that's what we talked about last time for RFI. But we do have a lot of balance, ununs, uh, feed line chokes, and coax noise filters. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about those tonight and some of the alternatives for NFED antennas, at least. Uh, we do have uh, antenna systems, complete ones, or you can do it yourself. We have off-center fed, N-fed loops, and terminated antennas with uh, uh, big resistors in them, very good listening antennas and very broad band you know, used by a lot of the uh, uh, government agencies around the world, actually. And then we have RFI solution kits for hams, uh, for your household, for marine, RV users, those types of things. And then if, you're, uh, if you remember uh, Kurt Sturba, that was, an alt that was uh, Jack Althaus's uh, alternate name and he used to write in uh, CQ magazine for almost 20 years. And uh, <clears throat> I put up all those books and all his articles for free download if you want to get it off the website. They make really funny reading, a lot of comedy in them, but also a lot of facts and uh, interesting. Uh, we distribute through Ham Radio Outlet uh, uh, and uh, Direct and also sell a few items on eBay from time to time. And we hit the consumer commercial and the military markets. So little bit that's about what we uh, what we do at Palomar it's been a fun operation I, I started I didn't start I bought this company because I wanted uh, to create a company that uh, uh, was fun to operate and uh, it's certainly been that uh, for sure we've got about 20 people working here uh, indirectly and and we hire a lot of uh, retired people so that they have something to do and and can earn some uh, extra money for uh, for projects that they may have okay let's go talk about NFED antennas and get right into it here and see what we can come up with. Uh, tonight, we're going to be talking about it takes about 45, 50 minutes to go through this talk. And then I'll stick I'll stick around as long as needed for a Q&A. So no problem there. I'm going to do a short overview of what antenna feed point options are. In other words, where do you feed an antenna? And why would you ever want to do it at the end when you could feed it in the middle? Uh, and there's lots of reasons for that. We're going to talk about uh, dipoles, off-center feds, zeps. Do a little overview of that and then look at popular NFED antennas. And the three that we're going to be talking about tonight are resonant NFED antennas. And they've um, they've become very, very popular in the last couple of years. Uh, we're going to talk also about non-resonant NFED long wires. And that's what our 71-footer, and, and that's uh, the crux of most of our antennas that we've been selling for the last seven or eight years. And we've introduced this year a new antenna called a resonant NFED long wire. And essentially, it's an off-center fed that's NFED, if you can believe that. And we'll show you exactly what that is. It has some very unique characteristics, and uh, uh, it's a little bit shorter with more bands. 
and a little bit better SWR graphs for, for quite a few of the bands. So we'll, we'll show you some examples of that. We'll talk about typical configurations that work all the time. Uh, like I said, we have so many of these antennas out. There's all different types of applications in, in attics or around the gutters, uh, along fences, uh, zigzag here and there. But uh, I'll show you some of the, the more popular ones. And then uh, next, we'll talk about how do you choose one? You're going to have a lot of alternatives here. Well, which one do you, which one do you think is best for you? And that's a matter of which fence do you want to operate? Uh, how much space do you have? How much power are you going to run? Those typical type of things. And then going along with NFED antennas, we'll talk a little bit about feed line chokes and some of the problems that antenna switches create in the ham shack, what, what, no matter what type of antenna you have and how you can get around uh, some of those problems. And then we're going to talk about a special topic. That's the one we're going to end up with. And then we'll uh, be around for questions and answers. So. Let's put our thinking caps on and talk a little bit about um, the different ways that you can feed an antenna in general. And most of you are probably familiar with center fed. And then we're going to talk about off center fed and then finally end fed. And there's a disadvantages and advantages uh, to each of those options. So the first one we're going to talk about is, uh, and we're going to use um, an antennas that work from 40 to six meters, although the principle also um, applies to uh, 80 through six or, or 160 also, but it, I've got a lot of the graphs already set up for, for, for use uh, 40 through six meters. So we're gonna use those, but like I say, the principles are, are the same for uh, uh, different band ranges. So a typical um, uh, center fed uh, dipole, it's fed equal on each side. However, as you take the dipole lower and lower to the earth, the impedance will also change. And one of the things that you can do in order to have proper matching is you can offset it just a little bit because as you move the feed point from the center to the end, the impedance will go up. So if you have a real low dipole, uh, for example, 10 feet tall and you're working 40 meters, the impedance is gonna be about 25 ohms or less uh, if you feed it in the mill. But if you just offset it a little bit, you can get back to 50 ohms and get your SWR back and the antenna will radiate just as well and you won't have any of the SWR issues. So this is just an example of one of such a, one such antenna here. It's fed uh, 29 and a, uh, feet on one side and about 32 and a half feet in the other side. And it's a low antenna, uh, like when you would go in a portable operation or something like that, but you can feed it that way it, and it matches just fine, just like a center-fed uh, dipole. Typically, they're good for one band or maybe the odd harmonic. So, for example, a 40-meter one would probably work on 40 fairly well and uh, also on 15 meters, which is the third harmonic. So, anyway, that's just an example of, of, of a, of a center-fed or a little slightly off-center-fed antenna. The next step up is, a, uh, is an off-center-fed antenna. And there's quite a few ways to do off-center fed antennas. Uh, one way uh, that you see just about 95% of the companies do is they use a one-third, two-thirds. In other words, the short side is one-third of the antenna total length, and the long side is two-thirds. Well, if you, if you do that classically, the problem with, with the antenna is, at least on this one, for example, 40 through 6 meters, is you do not get 15 meters it will not resonate on 15 meters. So if you change that offset just slightly, 
And in, in fact, our case, we found that an 18% and an 84% offset allows you to work all the bands, including the work bands, including 15 meters. So you get more bands with the exact same length of wire. And that's what I like to do. I like to optimize the wire by changing the feed point just slightly so you get more bang for the buck, so to speak. So this is an example of how you would use an off-center fed to do that. OCFs are very good antennas. They're very good multi-band antennas. And in fact, if you, uh, we'll go to the next slide here. You can see that uh, this is a slide of, uh, of SWR from uh, uh, one megahertz to uh, 30. And there's also a slight extension for six meters there. But uh, you'll see the, um, this is the three to one SWR line here. And you'll notice this is the two to one. Just about all the bands are below two to one. In other words, you, very, you probably don't need a tuner on most of the, the bands that you want to operate. And if you do, you can generally use the tuner that's either in the radio. They're typically good for three to one and below without having to have an external tuner. And they, uh, they work very well. So keep in mind that the off-center fed in this case is about uh, seven, uh, 18% and, uh, and 82%. So it's not quite the same as everybody else. The advantage is, of course, you get more bands for the same wire. And why not do that? There's about a thousand of these in use in the United States and uh, all around the world. And so they, they're, they're a pretty, they're a pretty, they're a popular antenna if you have the room to, uh, to stretch it out horizontally or as an inverted V. Now, when we talk about NFED antennas, we also have several different options, all right? Some of you know what a J-pole is, if you're familiar with uh, VHF and UHF. Well, there's also uh, an antenna called an NFED, ZEP, which really is just a J-pole, but it's folded on its side. And we'll show you a picture of that in a minute. There are NFED half waves, which are a half of a wavelength on the fundamental frequency. And then there are non-resonant NFEDs, and that's what our 71-footer is. It's not resonant in the hand bands, all right? And it has two parts. One is the wire and one is the counterpoise. And most people just use the coax as the counterpoise with a choke on it. The third, the, the, the last type of, counter, of uh, NFED, rather, is a resonant NFED. And this is very similar to the off-center FED that we just talked about. But imagine this. We just take the short end of a regular off-center fed and we chop it off. We put a choke the same distance down on the coax. And essentially we have all the characteristics of an off-center fed, but with a much smaller uh, length of wire. All right. And we'll show you some examples of how that works uh, in a couple minutes. But that's a very useful antenna for a bunch of reasons. Okay. Let's take a look at the NFED ZEP antenna. Been around for probably close to 100 years. It's, I, I used one of these when I was a novice uh, radio operator in the early 60s. And uh, they're good for a half a wave. We're half a wavelength long at the frequency. So for 40 meters, they'd be about 66 feet long. And um, the, um, the quarter wavelength uh, matching section, typically made out of a 450 ohm or 300 ohm or 600 ohm ladder line, really doesn't make any difference. Uh, but they're a quarter wavelength long, they're shorted at the end, and then you just tap up until you hit the 50 ohm point uh, with your coax. And uh, that's a very good uh, low SWR, nicely matched single band antenna, all right? However, it also needs a choke just like any other one. And so that's how it works. If you're familiar with the J-pole, 
all it is, it's the same antenna, except that you're using slotted uh, pieces of metal rather than wire and ladder line. And you're doing essentially the same thing. You're tapping up from a shorted bottom, shorted uh, uh, bottom where the coax is connected and uh, you just match it for, um, uh, for 50 ohms. They work very well and they're good uh, single bands or they're good at the uh, harmonics. So a 40 meters up would work at 40 and 15, just like the two meter one works at two meters and 450, very similar, just different sizes, that's all. And um, excuse me, Bob, just one second. Can uh, has everybody got their phone or computer muted? Because I keep hearing a little background noise, and uh, I don't want to distract Bob <laughs> to have to do this. But could everybody make sure you're muted real quick? Thanks, everyone. Sorry, Bob. Uh, no problem. Always time for a commercial. <laughs> uh, it doesn't bother me, by the way. I wasn't paying much attention to it. So all right, so let's talk about the actual NFEDs that most of us are familiar with. And one of those is uh, we, we had a product that we brought out about a year ago, and it's called an NFED half wave. And it typically uh, is a, a half wavelength long. We decided to use the 40 meter band as the uh, half wave. And it was uh, 66 feet of wire. And uh, it had a, uh, a matching unit over here, which was a 49 to one transformer. And uh, because when you match a, a NFED way at the end, the impedance is very, very high. And so you need a high impedance. And in this case, it multiplied it by not quite 50, got you almost up to 3000 ohms. The problem with high impedance uh, transformers in general is they're not very broadband. They're good for maybe eight to 10 me uh, megahertz. And uh, after that, you have to compensate them and you have to do all kinds of fancy things to make them work. That's why a lot of the NFEDs are, are they work great on 80, 40, and 20, but once you get up to 10 meters, uh, they, uh, they have high SWRs and stuff. Anyway, make a long story short, uh, we came out with this uh, NFED about a year ago, and it had 66 feet of wire in it, and we also did use a choke on the, um, on the coax because it tended to match it a little bit better. And I'm gonna show you a configuration here of what it typically looks like. Uh, and these configurations are, there's lots of different configurations as you can see here in the lower left-hand corner. And we'll go over some of those specifically a little bit later, but you can make these slopers up or down. You can make them flat. You can make them totally vertical. It really doesn't seem to make too much difference in terms of matching, all right? So in this case, we have a, we have a 49 to one uh, on, on up here. We have a wire coming out and it wasn't quite long enough. So we just dropped it down a little bit. Uh, you can do it that way, or you can drop down the unun and then take this out straight. Either, either way will work just fine. And then so many feet down, in this case, it was 16 feet down. We put a, uh, a choke. And that's how this antenna was, was, uh, was sold. And we sold quite a few of these. And, uh, but there was always something that bothered me about them. And it wasn't, it wasn't the SWR, but I'm going to show you that right now. The SWR in these antennas is really only good for four bands. This is a 40 through 10 one. It's good at 40, nice dip on 40, nice dip on 20, nice dip on 15, and a nice dip on 10. All right. All below two to one. But it always bothered me. It said, you know, I'm, I'm so familiar with off-center feds and, and uh, other types of end feds. Where I get dips here in 12, I get dips here in 17, and some cases 
I even get a dip on 30. I, I can only work four bands with this 66 feet. So something something said to me, you know, I, I, I can do better than that with 66 feet of wire. The other thing that I wanted you to, to caution you about is anytime you feed an antenna at its very end, like this one right here, and it's exactly a half a wavelength, you have very, very high voltage where you're feeding it. So you have to be careful, all right? In fact, I put together a little table here for you, all right? And depending upon the number of watts that you're running, if you're running 100 watts, there's almost 500 volts at the terminal of that little end of that unknown, all right? If you're running 1500 watts full power, you have almost 1900 volts. Very dangerous if unless you put something around that uh, feed point and make sure that you know, kids and pets and other people don't come next to it. And that was one of the major reasons that and the fact that I think I could do better with 66 feet of wire that we discontinued that antenna about two or three months ago. And because I think there's a safer one, it's shorter and it's far superior in terms of, uh, of how much, uh, how many bands that you can get off of uh, uh, 66 feet of wire or shorter. So let's talk a little bit about the, um, the 71 footer, uh, which is the non-resonant NFED, which some of you use. And we make that in all different sizes and shapes and, and uh, also lengths. We used to make them in about 10 different lengths. And then we finally uh, changed so that uh, the 71 and the 155, which are our most popular, we, we, we sell most of those. But if you want it in a length of 77 or, or 97 feet, for example, we'll, you know, we'll certainly make you one for that. And uh, as long as you have the proper counterpoise that goes with it. But in most cases, um, uh, you have a you have a nine to one matching on on you have a length of wire and then you have a choke that goes on your uh, your feed line. This is RG eight uh, uh, X. You can also use LMR four hundred. It doesn't make too much difference because there's there's very little loss on on fifty feet or less of this cable, and um, you can in fact run fifteen hundred watts to it all day long, and it's not gonna it's not gonna hurt it. Uh, by the way, I should mention that our 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 ratings for our ununs are are uh, are pretty conservative. I've been able to take the 500 watt one here and run 500 watts digital through it and more all day long and not have a problem with it all. That doesn't saturate. You try that with an, another brand, an MFJ or something like that, and they'll saturate it about 100 watts of FT8. And uh, it doesn't, uh, they don't work very well uh, with high power. Ours are built like tanks. I'm a, for, I'm a former RTTY contester. And I like to make sure I keep can, I keep transmitting and not having to wait for uh, balance and ununs to cool down. So all, all of ours are are very conservatively rated. The uh, configuration for these uh, antennas, the uh, the non-resident ones, and these are the 71 footers, for example. The wire is typically 71 feet long, and and as I was saying before, it can zigzag. It can go in attics. Uh, we have lots of, uh, of retirement people down in Florida. Like I have one retirement uh, center down there and they have uh, almost a hundred uh, bullet antennas and they're all hidden uh, along the periphery uh, uh, behind the, uh, behind the gutters of their, of their, of their condominiums and stuff. And uh, they, they still work just fine. They get on the air and they're always talking with nets and that kind of stuff. But anyway, the wire in this case is generally 71 feet. You put a choke at the 42 foot mark on the coax down here. And, um, 
the resident frequency that they're called non-resident because they're not resident in the ham bands. And in fact, if you do the computations, the total length of the antenna is 113 feet because the coax, the outside braid of the coax is radiating just like the wire, right? So, if, you know, don't fold it up, uh, you know, keep it up as high as you can. If you have to fold it, you fold it. But um, uh, in general, it's part of the antenna, just like an off-center fed. And in fact, these act just like off-center feds, they're just not resonant in the hand bands. But because of that, they have some characteristics that are, that are, uh, are very useful. If you use an antenna tuner, and in some cases you do, in some cases you don't, you can work 40 meters and I mean 80 meters and 60 meters with only a 71 foot antenna. Now, normally, if you had an NFED half wave like we were talking about before, you'd need 134 feet to even consider that. With this one, 71 feet and a good antenna tuner, you can work the bands below 40 meters fairly, fairly consistently. You have to go to 155 feet of, of wire and about 100 feet of coax in order to work 160, however. So <clears throat> just be aware that uh, there are different, the different lengths will have different bands and we'll show you what those are, what those are later. Uh, we have about 4,000 of these antennas out and thank you guys for, for, for being part of that part of that. And we sell them through HRO and also direct and you can generally call uh, our technical department, which is me, for the most part and talk about uh, how to put it in different uh, situations inside. We even make one that's down to 41 feet uh, with a 12 foot uh, uh, um, a counterpoise, which will work 40 meters and up too. So uh, FYI on that. Some of the SWR factors, uh, you can see this is the 71 footer. Uh, this is the two to one mark here. You can see just about all the bands in band are, are very two to one or less all the way all the way across and certainly they're under three to one for just about everything which means that they're all uh, tunable with the uh, tuners that are in a uh, in most radios with antenna tuners even the older ones will work just fine with this and uh, I've, I've had reports of people even working 160 with it but I haven't uh, I, I still can't believe it but I, I guess they do one way or the other they must have really good uh, antenna tuners but uh, certainly with 114 feet of wire, you should be able to work quite a, few, quite a few different things. Now I'm gonna take you to a different concept altogether. It's called, an, and th these were non-resonant NFEDs because they're not a resonant length frequency. However, there's a different type of antenna. It's called a resonant NFED, all right? So remember I was talking about taking the off-center fed antenna and taking off one of the sides, the short side, and instead of having the short side on it, we're going to put a uh, choke at the same distance that the short side is. So uh, our off-center fed that I gave you the example of before, the long wire was 55, the short wire was 12. So if we take off the 12 footer and we put the choke at the 12 foot mark on the coax, and also we change from a unun to a, I mean, from a balun to an unun, by the way, because it's unbalanced. Uh, a slight change there. You can then work all the same bands that the off-center fed did at a better SWR than the other antennas. So this is an example, and we started selling this about three months ago. It's been a good seller for us. And it's also uh, morphed into uh, different length antennas for different, uh, different band ranges, which we'll show you in a couple of minutes here. But it has a four to, it has a four to one in here, 
rather than a nine to one. And a four to our four to one, our anons, by the way, they'll go from one megahertz almost to 200 megahertz flat under two to one SWR. Nobody else that I know of can do that. And the reason is, is because we make them completely different than everybody else. And they work just wonderful. Our, our balanced four to ones will go almost to 250 megahertz. They're absolutely one of the best I've ever seen. But anyway, in this case, uh, they're a little bit larger if you have more ferrite in them than they are if they have 500 watts. And we also make these in a box format where they're uh, uh, 5,000 watts too, if you really want to get excited about it. Here's an example of, uh, of what we were just talking about. But in this case, instead of like the off-center fed or instead of the 71 footer, we only have 55 feet on the long edge. And we only have 12 feet down here. Now, if we, when we were talking about the off-center fed, this 12 feet was over here as the short part of the off-center fed. Well, I've, I got to have coax anyway, so why don't I utilize it as part of the antenna? And so we, we don't put a combination four to one, one to one in here like we do with our off-center feds. We just make it unbalanced and we make the braid part of the antenna until where the choke is and that's where it stops. And then electrically, uh, it's just coax all the way back to the radio. But from an antenna standpoint, it's radiating this 12 feet plus this 55 feet out here. So the question is, is, uh, is this a better or is it worse than, than the other ones? Well, there's a couple of things you can say. One is uh, I, I got rid of my uh, <clears throat> length. My length is less than the NFED half waves, which are real popular. I also got rid of my thousand volts here or, or 500 volts at hundred Watts. I now have very low voltage, you know, in the, in the terms of, you know, 10, 15, 20 volts. I don't have 500 volts here, so it's not a dangerous antenna if this part is low or it's close to the ground. You still have to, as usual, always protect people from, from hitting it while you're, uh, while you're transmitting, but it certainly hasn't got the potential of high voltage like, uh, like the NFED half waves. And you'll find out in a second as, as soon as we look at SWR <clears throat> that it compares very favorably. Uh, the coax does radiate, which is fine. It gives you additional, and typically it's, if you put the, uh, the, uh, the matching unit high, you get a vertical component to your radiation, good for DX, and you still have the horizontal over here for, for regular close-in type uh, contacts. And it also uses a four to one rather than a nine to one, which is easier, easier to match, lower voltage, a little bit more safe. So let's take a look at the SWR on this one. The SWRs are very good. And you can see, by the way, Remember on the regular old NFED half wave, we only had dips at 40, 20, 15, and 10. Well, here we get dips at 30. We got a nice dip. It's not, not real low at 17, but certainly it's not way up here like the other one was. It's about 2.5 to one. Uh, at 12, we got about 2.5. And we can even work 30 meters with it and still have under three to one. So our internal antenna tuners will still tune this antenna very nicely, all right? So you get all the bands from 40, and in fact, I don't show it, but you also get six meters here. And on our website, I actually show all the individual band SWRs rather than the whole thing, so you can see what it is. But on most of the bands, it's, it's under two to one uh, for, uh, for the whole band. 
including six meters. So this is uh, our, our resident NFID. So I, I, I did a graph a couple of days ago and I compared the NFED that we were just talking about, the resident one, right, which is 55 feet. And I compared it with the, the graph of the SWR of the 71 footer that quite a few of you have, right? The 71 footer has the advantage you can work 80 meters with it and probably 60 fairly well. However, on most bands, the 55 foot length rather than the 71 has a little bit better SWR on the fundamental bands. It's about the same one, 17. It's better on 15. It's a little higher on 12, but on 10 meters, it's slower. So what have we done? We've taken a antenna, formerly 71 feet long, we, and, and using a nine to one, and I've taken a 55 foot piece of wire and uh, 12 foot of the coax, and I've created an antenna with lower SWR and shorter space. So that means more people can use them. They can put them in. And that's 55 feet of linear space. But you can, if you zigzag it, you can probably fit it in 30 to 40 feet of, you know, of horizontal space if you, if you uh, do it, do it uh, right. You can put 90 degree bends in it. You can, there's lots of different ways to put it up. But you get more bands. Um, you get a little bit better SWR. And it's shorter. So I figured, well, that's a pretty good compromise. And so we, we've uh, been able to uh, put that together, although we still sell an enormous amount of 71s because they are so popular also. So if you're, if you're tight for space and you need to work the same bands, here's an alternative that you can, uh, you can take a look at. And in fact, I put together a little table here. And by the way, this uh, presentation is on our website under presentations, and there's also a Adobe uh, uh, PDF uh, file that you can download with all the slides in it exactly as you see here. But here's a comparison between the NFED half wave, so popular by all the other guys. You can only work four bands with it, unfortunately. Uh, and um, it does have the high voltage uh, problem. Uh, the 71 footer that you, uh, you all have takes a 42 foot counterpoise, but you can work 80 and 60 plus all the other bands, all right? The, um, the resonant NFED, shorter to only a 12-foot counterpoise, so you, can, you don't have to have you know, 50 feet of coax, you only need 25. And you still work all the bands, it, just like you do with the off-center fed. Uh, it works the same bands. And in fact, the SWR for the, for the 40 through 6 uh, 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 um, resonant uh, has, has a very similar SWR curve as to the OCF. And the radiation is, is virtually identical. So if you like horizontal antennas and you have the space for it, uh, uh, use the OCF. Otherwise, use the NFED with the 55. If you want to work the higher bands, or the lower bands, excuse me, then you can use the, the 80 through uh, uh, and 60 on the, on, the, uh, on the other one. You just have to have a little bit uh, higher counterpoise. Okay, so let's do a, a quick overview here. And you'll see that um, <clears throat> the NFED halfway major disadvantage is the high high voltage standpoint, which I just personally don't like. I just don't like high voltage on a, on, a, on an antenna so close to the feed point. Uh, you get no work bands. You get no six meter coverage on those either. The non-resident, the 71 footer, you can work all the bands with the thing. And uh, some bands require a tuner, but it still works all the bands. 
And uh, the coax does radiate to get a little bit of additional band coverage because of that. Uh, the resonant long wire, similar uh, output, um, uh, you get a few less bands, but you got less, you got less uh, length and you still get to work six meters and all the other bands. So I think it's far superior to the NFET half wave, a lot safer. And uh, we've, uh, that's why we discontinued the, uh, the half wave antennas altogether. I just didn't like the safety aspect more than anything else. And uh, there, you can get more, more bang for your buck with a shorter piece of wire just by changing it. And it's a lot, a lot, uh, a lot easier to deploy. Okay, so how do you set these things up? So I'm gonna answer uh, four real quick questions here is how to determine which length to use. And we'll talk about that, how to match it to the coax uh, for the do-it-yourselfers, uh, choosing a configuration, in other words, what size, how do you set it up and those types of things. And then choosing the feed line choke, uh, choke and, um, and adding a noise filter if you need it. And also solving uh, the problem that most antenna switches have uh, with, um, uh, with noise. So let's take these and first of all, let's see how long they are. So I put this together in a couple different slides. And the first one is the non-resident one. And when you asked about the 97 footer, the 97 footer was in here also, and it had the same band coverage as the 71 footer, except that 80 meters was a lot broader and 60 meters had a nice dip in it. So the longer that the wire is, uh, the broader the low band dips are. Anything above 40 meters with either one of these is under two to one. You don't even need a tuner. They just, uh, they just tune uh, very nicely. When you go up to, when you want 160 meters, you got to go to at least 155 feet of wire. And it takes a counterpoise of at least 95 feet. So uh, those are both sold at HRO. We sell them direct, obviously. And uh, they've been good sellers for us. There's, uh, there's over 4,000 of these antennas out. And they've been very popular, and and uh, we get good reviews on them. Also, the in, the resonant NFED now has a couple different options. All right, and it really depends upon uh, which bands you want to cover. So if you're in an apartment, I think I heard somebody say they're in an apartment and they can't get on the air. Well, here's an antenna that's only 27 feet long. All right, and it needs a seven foot counterpoise or a choke at the seven foot mark on the coax. And now you're on 20 meters through six meters, right? You can get on the air. Uh, if you do the, um, uh, the one we've been talking about, the 40 through six meters, you need 55 feet and then 12 foot counterpoise. If you wanna do a bullet uh, on 80, 80 through six meters, by the way, it's 95 feet of wire, 40 foot counterpoise. And if you want 160, we have to go a little bit longer than the, uh, the random one, it's 205 feet. But on the other hand, the counterpoise is 40 feet less, so it's a 55-foot uh, counterpoise. You can probably get her away with 50 feet, and it would be uh, it would still tune just fine. So your alternatives it really for the bandwidth or uh, the bands that you want to operate depends upon how much space you have. What we tried to do with this antenna was give you more bands with less wire, so they would fit in smaller spaces and or be easily, more easily um, uh, hidden uh, from uh, prying eyes, so to speak. Okay, so what types of configurations can you set these up in? Well, there's lots of, lots of different ones. Some people use a, a straight, a, they use a vertical uh, uh, fiberglass poles that are telescoping. They just put them straight up like this and maybe off a little bit to the side if necessary. Uh, a lot of people just run them as inverted L's. They put the uh, the uh, matching unit low, 
and then they run this here. They go up to a tree, for example, and then they go out as, as long as they can. And um, some people uh, put them way low and they run them as slopers up or they run them as slopers down like this. Now, remember, the coax also radiates. So the sloper down is actually a pretty or, or straight across is actually a good location because now the coax is vertical and you're getting some radi vertical radiation out of that, which is good for, from a DX standpoint. Uh, you can uh, you can slope up or down. You can do inverted L's. You can zigzag. You can actually take this wire and zigzag it like in an attic. I've seen. I've heard lots of people doing that. Um, you can do a 90 degree bend in it like this, or you can do a 90 degree bend that's uh, horizontal. Uh, I have one that goes out. I think it's about 30 feet tall. It goes out about 40 feet to a tree, and then it turns 90 degrees and goes out another 100, 100 uh, uh, about 100 feet. Uh, to uh, to another tree, and, and it still works just fine. I have no issues with it at all. And uh, by the way, uh, I, I measure the efficiency of these antennas. I work a lot of FT8, and the reason I do that is because I can get reports all over the world, and they're digital, and they give me specific reports in different locations. So I can look, not only look at radiation patterns, I can actually get signal reports. Uh, even though I'm not working the guy, there's so many people out there that I can download the uh, or see real time exactly what people are hearing me, where they're hearing me, and what the signal strength is. So I can compare different antennas and stuff. And it's been very, very helpful to do that. And what I found is, is that it really doesn't make too much difference how you configure these things. They all get out. They all seem to work. Uh, and uh, however, I've noticed that if the, if the matching unit is high, and you have coax that's radiating vertically, you do tend to have a little bit better DX uh, uh, into, um, in, in, our, in my case, Europe, but also into uh, the Middle East. We do very well into the Middle East here on uh, with these antennas. In fact, I've worked people in, uh, <clears throat> in the Philippines on six meters with these antennas on FT8. So I, I know that they, they've got quite a, a good gain uh, once you get um, you know, multiple lengths on, uh, of wavelengths on it. Uh, some of the SWR factors that you'll run into, regardless of how you set it up, it depends upon the shape, okay? Sometimes if you would do it as an inverted L, the SWR may be a little bit different than if you do it as a flat top. And so you have to experiment around. And it, a lot of it is a function of um, uh, your soil conductivity, if you're close to the ground, or how close you are to a metal object, uh, and whether you're feeding it at the top or the bottom, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, it's a good antenna to experiment with, but no matter how you put it up, I, my experience has been, and the customer feedback that I've gotten is that, that it uh, it's a pretty good antenna for all different types of installations, some being better than others, but as long as you can get on the air and make contacts and with your friends and, and have a little DX and, and take part in, in all the different radio things that you want, uh, it's, a good, uh, it's a good antenna. As far as matching the coax to the antenna, uh, it really depends upon what type of uh, of uh, NFED that you're using. Uh, <clears throat> the uh, the uh, ones that I mentioned here, I, I also mentioned the 49 to one. Uh, we don't sell that uh, that uh, unun at all anymore. Uh, people were putting it on oddball links and it was blowing up the ununs and and they were blaming us for the problem when in fact it was their own design errors that were causing it. So we only sell the nine to ones and the four to one ununs in all different size ratios. The nine to ones are good for the non-resident antennas, and the four to ones are good for, of course, the uh, the resident and fed uh, and fed antennas. 
the four to ones uh, onions are also good for uh, uh, the uh, I think it's uh, 57 foot um, uh, verticals too. They're they're useful for that. There's a couple other applications besides just uh, uh, the ones that we're we're talking about here. Um, the connections for the coax. Uh, there's connections on the onions for for the coax and for the feed points and those types of things. And here's uh, here's some examples of the different sizes and availability. We make them in a 100 watt uh, version down here for people who want to go portable or they're only running 100 watts. These run just fine. And we also make them in um, 500 watt, uh, 1500 watt tubes like this. And then also 1500 and 5kW tubes like or, or boxes like this because people want to mount them against a wall, for example. Uh, they're virtually identical in, in performance in terms of SWR graphs and things. And if you do look at these these products on our website. You'll, there's SWR graphs for every one of these things, usually from you know one megahertz all the way up to at least 60 megahertz. So you can see how they compare with with some of the some of the competitors, and uh, I, I guarantee you they'll be better. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Um, don't ever buy a Balan or an Anand, by the way, with, unless you know what what the response is. Uh, there's no SWR graphs, or there's no uh, technical information going along with it. Uh, just say pass and, and come over to the Palomar site and, and be welcomed with uh, with great products. We sell thousands of these a year, so we, we know they work really well. You do you do require a feed line choke with all these antennas. And you basically have two options. One is a simple ring like you see on the left-hand side over there. And you can put eight to 10 turns of uh, RG8X on it. Uh, you can put about five, four or five turns of uh, LMR 400 size on it. Yeah, but there's also an alternative, which we found <clears throat> you can't put as quite as many turns. I put four or five turns, sometimes six of RG8X, uh, but it's much more convenient. It's a snap-on or a clamshell. And so if you're playing with, um, uh, with the position of the um, uh, the choke, which is how you, you tune these antennas, by the way, when you put it up, and if you don't get the exact same uh, SWRs or close to what we, we published, you can change the position of the choke for your individual location. You don't change the length of the wire, you just change the position of where the choke is, maybe plus or minus a foot or two feet in, in, in most cases, just to fine tune a particular SWR for a band or, or for all bands. But uh, in general, we've, 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 we've pretty much got the positions down for, for all the different types of antennas. If you're the type of person who wants to do it, do it yourself. We sell every individual part individually. All right, so you can buy the, you can buy the individual uh, different power levels of the onions and the and uh, we also sell complete antenna systems with everything there. All you got to do is add your own coax. And if you don't want to do that, we sell them with coax too as a package price. Uh, we also have these are the hundred waters, and we also have uh, both types of uh, of chokes here. But my recommendation is get the get this choke here, it's much, much easier to adjust and uh, works almost as well as the ring. The ring's $10 and these are 20, it's not, it's not a big difference, but the, the convenience of, doing, of, of adjustment is, is much better here. And so that's what we ship with everything uh, pretty much now. We do have coax noise filters also, but we'll, we'll talk about those in a, in a second here. Now, you have all the parts that you need uh, and some of the diagrams of what you can, uh, when you put these antennas up. But one of the things that you may run into is how do you integrate all these things together? Well, we've seen this type, this diagram multiple times now. And essentially you have an antenna, you have coax, 
you have a choke. And then depending upon the length of, of uh, coax from the choke all the way back to your radio, you may or may not want to use something called a coax noise filter. And I'll, I'll, I'll show you in a second how you, how, you need, how you know you need one or not. All right. But the purpose of these is, is, to, um, is to take out some of the noise that's picked up by the outside braid of the coax. All right. I think I mentioned this before in the other talk that we gave, is that coax has three conductors, all right? The outside metal braid, all right, either whether, whether it's a double braided or single braided, doesn't make any difference, has actually two electrical conductors. One is in the inside and one is on the outside. And that's because of an of a electrical uh, characteristic called skin effect, all right? The current only flows in the top one twenty-five thousandth of an inch of the cable. And so the inside of the, the braid and the outside of the braid are two distinct electrical conductors, all right? So when you're pushing uh, signals up the inside uh, <clears throat> with your transmitter, for example, uh, the current goes up the inside of the braid and also the center conductor. And when it gets to the antenna, the, that current that's coming up the inside of the braid is a fork in the road. It says, hey, I can go down the outside because there's, there's a conductor there, or I can go on the antenna. And what stops it from going down the outside at the antenna feed point is a choke or a ballon. We'll stop it. It acts as a stop sign, and it says, do not go down the outside of the coax. And consequently, you don't get the radiation problems uh, that are caused if the, if the coax is part of the antenna. In our cases here, we want that to happen. We do not purposely put a choke at the antenna feed point. We go down in this case, in, 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 our, in our picture here, we go, down, uh, we go down 12 feet because we want it to radiate, but we want to put the stop sign right here so that it sees 12 feet and 55 feet. It sees an off-center fed dipole essentially, and it radiates and it has very good characteristics, SWR and everything else, but okay. Let's say you put the antenna in and you got uh, 100 feet of coax or maybe even more. All my antennas have almost 400 feet of coax on them because I have a couple acres and the antennas are far away from the house. So I use coax noise filters a lot. But here's a real simple test that you can make. And I believe we did this last time, but I'm going to go through it again because it's an important uh, feature. Is <clears throat> If you, if you uh, have a single antenna, all right, we'll talk about antenna switches in a second. If you have a single antenna, the way you can tell whether your outside of your coax is picking up noise or picking up a second signal, we're saying in a different way. Remember, there's three conductors in coax. The outside conductor is an additional receiving antenna in addition to the signal that comes down the center of the coax. So that when you screw in the connector to your radio, you are connecting two receive antennas. The receive antenna from the outside, connecting to the outside of the coax connector, and that combines with the signal from the center. All right. You pick up noise on the outside. All right. Even though you got a ground here, you're still picking up that noise. The problem is what you want to do is make sure that noise never hits the radio because it biases up all the, all the signals and stuff. So here's the simple test. Take you, take you, you know, a minute to do it. What you do is you take your coax and you unplug it. And if all the noise goes away, you know that your noise is coming in from the coax. 
You don't know what yet, whether it's coming in from the center or the center and the outside. So here's how you tell. You just put the, you, you roll back the outside connector and you just put the center in, uh, a conductor in. Do not let the outside touch at all. And measure the noise level. And do this on multiple bands too, because it may be prevalent on um, 80 and 40, but you may never hear it on 20 meters, for example. Because 80 and 40 tend to be a lot, not, lot noisier in terms of, uh, of uh, picking up power, uh, uh, AC power line noise. So, so measure the noise level. Let's say it's S1, S2, S3, don't make any difference. Now what I want you to do is screw in the outside and measure it again, all right? And if it goes from like S1 or S2 up to S4, S5, S6, for example, that's like a three to four S unit difference, all right? And you gotta hear that when you're talking to a person and you may not be able to hear them if you're working digital modes or, or there's QSB on the signal or not. You may be fading in and out of there because of this noise that's being picked up by the outside of the coax. So we have something called a coax noise filter. And what it does is it acts as a stop sign and prevents that noise picked up by the outside from, from going into the coax connector at all, all right? It works just the opposite of the way a Bowen works on transmit, which is at the feed point, all right? These are called coax noise filters. They are essentially high impedance balance. They work very well, and um, uh, <clears throat> they're one of our best-selling products. So you have a couple options, and I'm gonna give you a comparison of how, how these things actually work. We have the small one here and we sell hundreds of these per month. They're just really effective. These here on the average will get rid of about 38 dB of noise, common mode noise. Not the noise coming down the center, but the common mode noise on the outside. Now, let me put that in practical terms. If we assume that six dB is about one S unit, 38 dB, is a little bit more than six S units reduction. Now that's a lot, all right? These here are rated at 500 watts PEP, conservatively. We make them in larger sizes, both as tubes like this, and also in boxes if you wanna mount it to a wall. These here are good for 49 dB, all right? That's over eight S units, and that's broadband, across all the frequencies, not just 80, not just 40, for example, all right? And they go all the way out to six meters. Even on six meters, they're not quite 49 dB, they're, they're around 35 to 40 dB. Still, that's six or seven S units, all right? That's a big deal. So when you buy a choke or you buy a, and we're the only people that sell coax noise filters, by the way. Some of them, some other people call them chokes, but they don't give you any specs on them. So when you buy a choke, always look for the specs. Look for a graph like this or something that tells you what they're going to do. It can't just say choke on it or line isolator, you know, good from one to 30 megahertz. I've measured some uh, competitor ones. In fact, I published them on the website as a comparison to some of these. And they're good at one frequency maybe, but they're not broadband at all. And uh, particularly, um, particularly coax uh, chokes, they're useless except at one frequency. Uh, one thing that we put in, in some of our chokes, by the way, just an FYI, if you need it, all right, is we put a ground stud on it. But this isn't just an ordinary ground stud. This is actually a static bleeder from the center conductor out to the ground, all right? And the guy that taught me how to do this was Art Bell. 
when Art was when Art was alive a couple of years ago, we used to talk to him all the time with with Bob Heil and uh, Joel Walsh, by the way, on 80 meters. And we got into some pretty interesting discussions. But one of the discussions was, is uh, Art Bell had two 1700 foot uh, uh, loops above each other. One was above each other. And he lived out in the desert. And what he would get it was wind static. And the wind static would create 70 to 100 volts on his antennas whenever the wind came up. And it would take out all his front ends of his FTDX uh, 9000 radios that he had. So he came up with the idea of using something or created a, something called a static bleeder. And we sell them separately. You can put them in a coax T and, and, and use them that way. But we now build them into our uh, uh, some of our, uh, our chokes as an option if you want to use them, uh, particularly at the radio end of the coax. And they're very, very effective. It, it, it prevents your front end from being blown out if you have lightning in the area or you have wind static or something like that. So. Uh, nobody else does that, by the way, just us, but that's just uh, an FYI for you. So if you're looking for chokes, look for, look for the, the specs on the chokes and the frequency range that they're covering. And uh, these here are our super ones. Now put it in comparison, if you have a, a sleeve choke, which is just multiple ferrites in a row, they're, they're about um, you know, 6 to 10 dB. Um, uh, 6 to 10 dB, these are 40, you know, 40, almost 40 to 50 dB. In comparison, they're much much better than a normal just a, a, a feed line choke. Okay, we'll talk a little bit about where you put these coax noise filters, and I'm going to segue into antenna switches, and then we'll we'll <clears throat> go into one more topic, and then uh, be ready for some um, some questions for you. But if here's your if this is your antenna if this is your radio station. You have a transceiver, you can put a coax noise filter between here and the linear amplifier if you're using one. Uh, and, and your antenna tuner goes here and your antenna switches here. Now, one of the things that I'm gonna tell you about using antenna switches uh, is that most antenna switches only switch the center conductor. They do not switch the braids. So theoretically, all right, now I'm going to go jump to another slide here because it, it shows it. Theoretically, if you've got all these antennas out here and you can have balance and chokes on uh, at the feed points, that's okay. But all the way from that point, all the way to your antenna switch, you have you have two receive antennas, right? You got the signal coming down the middle and then you got a signal that's being picked up by the braid. Now, let's say you got three antennas and you got three braid currents. And you take and you say, I'm going to select antenna one. What did you just do? You selected the center conductor of antenna one, but you still have connected to your antenna switch all three braids. So theoretically, you could be receiving the signal on this one, but you're picking up the noise on an antenna that you're not even selecting because it's coming in on the braid. See how that works? So what you have to do is you have to isolate the braids before they get to an antenna switch, all right, to make it work. You can't put them in the common line. If you put them in the common line to the antenna switch, all three braids are always hooked together. So at any one point, this transceiver is hooking, is hook, if, you don't, if you don't put these in the, in the uh, line, you're always listening to four antennas, three braids and whatever center conductor you've, ch you've ch chosen. 
Now, in my case, that was very obvious because I had an antenna here that was next to my neighbor and he had a solar system. And my other antennas are about 500 feet away. So as I was sitting there choosing my antennas that were five feet away, I could hear his darn solar system coming in on my coax into the antenna switch. So I did some experimenting. I said, you know what I'm gonna have to do? And this is a picture of my antenna switch here. I have eight, eight antennas on it. I, I put chokes, I run full power. So I put 3000 watt chokes on every one of these coming into the antenna switch, except for the dummy load. And it solved that problem. The, all that solar noise that was being picked up by the braids went away. I did not hear it. So when I now choose an antenna, I only get what's coming in on that antenna. I have no other interference from any of the other braids because this, even though it's a fancy antenna switch, it still only chooses the center conductor, you see. If you have a simple switch like this with just two antennas on it, you can just use uh, uh, two simple little uh, 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 chokes like this, run your antennas through here. And now instead of having four, uh, three antennas at any point in time without these, you actually just have one antenna that you're connected to. You're not hearing any of the noise from either one of the, uh, the outside braids. So that's just an FYI. You probably, you may not have heard of that concept before, but that's a real good use of coax noise filters, particularly if you're in a high-rise apartment or you're in a, you're in a, a high-density uh, housing area where you have lots of noise coming from households and or you know, solar systems and things like that that are, that are close to you. Or another way to get it is you have a, a coax is running through the attic, which are going close to your AC lines, and you have lots of noisy things in your house that are being... Uh, uh, putting interference into the AC lines, and then that's being picked up by the coax that's close to the AC, the AC power lines. So FYI, just want you to be aware of it, and we have solutions for that if, if you need it. Okay, I'm going to talk just to, uh, about two or three slides here about uh, uh, NFED antenna RFI problems. They're not unlike regular antennas. Uh, they're, they're virtually the same, but in our case, we're, all, we're using chokes on all of them, uh, at the at the radio end, I mean at the uh, uh, the transmitter end, so we don't have nearly as much problem unless you have long receiver uh, 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 coax runs. In general, just keep your antenna and your coax away from house wiring. That includes all kind of satellite feeds, AC power, uh, telephone lines if you're still using a regular telephone, and just keep um, antennas uh, and your no that'll keep your antennas and your noise and give you a a lot different, a uh, lot lower noise floor. Uh, we have kits available and you can see some of the kits. We talked about those before. We have kits for different transceivers and uh, also for linear amplifiers, all different makes and models. And basically what that does is it keeps the RFI in the unit itself or it keeps it out of the unit. For example, with, um, uh, with uh, a transceiver, this is an ICOM 7300. It's hooked to a computer, the computer may be noisy, this stops some of the noise coming in on the on the interface lines, for example. So clean up your your transmitter and amp first, and then uh, uh, your uh, your uh, antenna uh, uh, next. If you have uh, issues within your own house or your neighbor's house, we do have kits for home theaters, alarm systems, uh, garage doors, which is real common, um, telephones if you're still using or internet, uh, and then any kind of computer RFI uh, uh, that uh, like that. Okay, 
Uh, as before, I think I told you, if you're if you're new to ferrites or, or you're listening to this broadcast, we always uh, have combination kits and we have kits for all virtually everything. If you're a newbie uh, and you want to uh, uh, start this off or, or even buy some additional ones that you've already purchased, if you're not a newbie, just type in the word newbie in the discount code and you'll get 10% off on all the orders through the end of the year. So just want to let you know that we're there to support you and um, um, <clears throat> let you know that there's lots of different options to solve your solve your problems. You can always drop me an email at sales at, at uh, palomarengineers.com or try and give us a call, but I get so busy that sometimes I can't answer them all. Okay, now I'm gonna spend about 10 minutes. I'm gonna tell you a subject which I find fascinating, which you probably have never heard of. And if you have, you, um, you may, um, uh, you may uh, have already been using it. And uh, I came across this about six months, six to eight months ago. And it has to do with antennas, all right? But it's a unique use of antennas for a unique thing. And here it comes. There's a little bit of information on our website, but I want you to do your own. I'm just going to introduce you to the, to the subject, but I want you to do your own Googling or, or research and see if it's applicable to you. And here's what it's all about. It's called electroculture. And electroculture is antennas for plants. Boy, that sounds really far out, Bob. And this has been uh, a suppressed technology for many, many years. But uh, my experience has been, and I'll show you some you know, results in a second. But basically what you're gonna do is you're gonna create a, uh, an antenna and you're gonna put it in your plants. It doesn't make any difference what type of plant it is but uh, you can uh, use it and gives you healthier plants, faster growth, significantly larger fruits and vegetables. Uh, virtually no fertilizer is needed anymore and um, the root structure grows phenomenally well. And it's an easy project to do yourself. So let's take a look at some of the things. Again, it's called electroculture, right? So what is it? Electroculture is a method of applying atmospheric electricity to the fertilization of plant life. We all know there's a magnetic field around the earth, right? We can tap into that magnetic field and utilize that energy and redirect it to energize the roots of the plants. There's lots of different ways to do it. You can use different metals and you can use different shapes and all different types of things. I just urge you to, to, uh, to uh, Google it yourself, but here's some, here's some practical applications that I've done. So I, I plant a lot of potatoes here because I like to eat potatoes, but here's an example of a, a, an antenna, right? This is the antenna right here, right? It's only about uh, three feet tall, right? By the way, the higher you put the antenna in above the ground, the more voltage it taps into, the higher the voltage is. So you put it up 20 feet, it will tap into about six or 700 volts, right? And it will cover about 250 square feet, right? You may not believe this now, but just try it and see. But here's an example of uh, potatoes at two weeks. And exactly two weeks later, they just went, but they, you know, they, they've gone bananas, right? And uh, they just, they really grow well. I've tried, we have tomatoes, we have peppers, we have uh, all types of herbs and things Zucchini. like that, zucchinis. And um, it's just, it's just, it's mind boggling what, what, what happens. Uh, that's, all, that's all I can say. That's my experience, but I'm gonna I'm just introducing it to you, and and you take it from there. Now, in terms of how you what you do with these things, you can here's an example 
of, uh, of, um, of uh, how big they are, right? You can start with small ones for your pot like this. Essentially, this is copper, this is copper enameled wire. I think it's number 14. I just happen to have a, a bunch of, a big roll of it. And I just wound it and you wind it clockwise from the bottom up, right? Clockwise from the bottom up because you're in the Northern hemisphere. It's the opposite if you're in the Southern hemisphere. And what you do, I usually put a little pointer on it like this because so it could tap into the, the magnetic uh, 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 field. And you can make them different lengths and stuff like that. And as soon as we get back to video here, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll show you one that I have sitting in front of me. But uh, they can be any size that, that you want. Um, you would take this little antenna, and I use these for all my small pot uh, products, uh, small pots and things like that. And um, you place the antenna generally south of the plant. Right. So, and then what you do is you point that little wire up here, you point it towards the north. So it's aligned with the mag. This is a magnetic north, by the way. So you, you, you align it with the magnetic field. Right. And what it's doing is it's tapping into that field. Right. And the higher the, the higher that uh, uh, antenna is, the higher the voltage is it taps into. And that create that induces a current in the coil, which then goes into the plant. And so the plant that you would generally put this close to the plant. In the root, in the roots, and uh, it will generate um, some current in there. And uh, uh, it's a small amount of current, uh, but sit back and watch and see what happens. You can do two different pots, one with and with, without. But you'll find that this is a this is an antenna use that you never would have thought of, but it actually has interesting interesting results. And this was a technology that was uh, based upon Tesla's science. In the, night, in the early 1900s. And the fertilizer companies, for all intents and purposes, covered it up so you didn't know about it. Anyway, check our website. There's more information on this as well as all the antennas and things. And if you don't know what the website is, I'll show you right here. It's palomar-engineers.com. I wrote down your, your uh, website too, so I'm going to check that out also. And uh, you can always email me here. This is me, AK6R. I'm the chief engineer. And this presentation is available on the website, both as, as a PowerPoint and as a um, uh, as a uh, uh, Adobe uh, PDF uh, download. So if you want to download it, uh, you're welcome to do that. And uh, with that, I am going to uh, stop this and uh, give it back to, uh, I'm not going to do an additional share. I'm going to get out of this share. Uh, Pause the share. There we go. There it is. Stop. Stop the share. There we go. All right. Now I'm back. And uh, before I turn it back over, I'm going to show you. This is an antenna that I built. It's a three-foot piece of uh, bamboo, and the antenna is about oh an inch and a half wide, and it sits about three feet above uh, the plants. Very similar to the ones that you saw in the potatoes, and that they. They just work great. That's all I can say. All right. Any questions or comments or whatever? I am open to them. Wow. <laughs> That's all I can say about the uh, electroculture. Um, I live on a farm, actually a flower farm. And you know what the topic's going to be in the morning when my wife gets ready to go to work. Uh, we're going to try to we're going to try to do that to encourage the growth of the flowers over here on the flower farm. Yep. Appreciate it's, that. That and so uh, for us, it didn't couldn't see your antenna. Is it? It's curled, and it goes up by the plant, and it 
goes across the plant pointing north is that correct yeah this is this is the bottom of it right here this is the you take the enamel off and then what you do is you wind it clockwise up and I, I just put a pointer on it and i just point that pointer north all right there's a the little pointer oops let me get over here yeah so how long is the pointer uh that oh the pointer is uh two inches three inches okay I've made circles out of them. I've, I've done all kinds of designs. Once you, once you start doing a little bit of uh, uh, Googling on it, you'll find that people have used all different types of designs. Fancy, uh, uh, like I say, lots of different ones. I, I, I read an article and I watched a YouTube with one person who had, a, he must have had uh, 10 little um, raised bends of gardens. And so he put a 20 footer up and he ran the wire all through each one of the beds lengthwise in the beds, the same wire. And uh, he took a before and after about six weeks apart. And after I saw the three foot zucchini, I said, well, I think I'm gonna try that. And uh, it was just remarkable. So do a little Googling and you'll be fascinated by it. That's all I can say. I hope you are just like I was. And they're, they're all in fed, by the way. A question on the, how, how many uh, turns of the coil on the diameter, does that matter? Nope. No, yeah, you know, I think mine have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five or six. It's not really, not, not really important. Not I, really. Yeah, yeah I, I, I've, uh, I've put, uh, I've wound them around uh, uh, wine bottles so that's bigger at the top than it is at the bottom, for example. I've tried to experiment all different types and uh, it doesn't seem to make too much difference. Um, I think of like a broom handle. Yeah, broom handle is what I, yeah. Uh -huh. or, or, or a small pipe, you know. I just put a small pipe over the uh, or the bamboo, and then I just wrap the uh, the coil around it. Or you can just wrap the coil right on the bamboo, or anything. Have, yeah. have you done one clockwise and one clock counter? Yes, I've done them both. I've done them both ways, and, and I found that uh, 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 that the uh, clockwise from the bottom up, all right, not from the bottom, not from the top down, seems to work a little bit better. Like it, you know. If one was, if that one was, a, if the correct one was 100%, the other one's about 60 to 70%. It's, it's a little bit slower, but it still has has results. Right? But I just found that the clockwise up tends to work a little faster. Okay, okay. back to, oh, I'm sorry. Back to, back to and fed antennas, right? Yeah. Uh, I want to build a vertical and I noticed you used to have on your website a vertical antenna kit and they used a four to one and I was just thinking about using a nine to one but this resonant in fed sounds like it would work great as a vertical is that is that correct yeah yeah it would work fine yeah so that'd be 67 feet vertically in the air and you feed it you know uh, feed it use the coax to come down the 12 feet and then, then you can turn it. it. Yeah, if it's, a, if it's resonant, all you need is 55 feet. 55 feet plus 12 feet of coax after the coax. I mean, the coax is gonna be there anyway. So my, my thought was, well, why don't you use it? And yet you, you need less wire. You know? Yeah, my coax would be running underground. So I'm, I'm not gonna, I think it'd be all better right. to leave it outside and run it up the tree. Yeah, well, you could, yeah, you could also just make it off center fed, make it 66 feet. And just just feed it twelve feet up. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, I have a question. Sure. Um, um, 
I'm using <clears throat> now, and I put my uh, 71 foot antenna up. This is Mark. Yeah. And I uh, could never really get it to to tune up correctly, even using the the tuner and the radio. So I had ended up buying a auto tuner for especially for 40 meters. A lot of the other bands loaded up just fine. Um, and I used 50 foot of uh, 50 feet of coax uh, by using a little longer, say like 75 feet, or say a little longer coax. Would that have maybe helped that situation to bring that SWR uh, you, you down? Had the, you had the 71 feet. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well. All those antennas, those non-resonant antennas, as well as the resonant ones, they rely upon the the, uh, the matching unit being at a certain position with respect to the entire antenna, right? Just like the off-center fed's got a short and a long, right? Right. Your yeah. your your long is seventy-one feet. It it in order for it to match on multiple bands, it likes to see a short of about forty-two feet, right? So if it's okay. if, it, if it sees a seventy-five footer. It's it's gonna it's gonna see I'm right in the middle of the antenna, and your impedance oh, yeah. your impedance will be messed up. You see you see you see what I'm saying? So yeah. the, the answer is is uh, no something else is something else is either loading it or having an effect upon it. But generally, generally you can get away if it's you know 48 feet or 46 feet or something like that. But yeah. you know it's close enough if you have an antenna tuner. But we like to make we like to make it. Uh, close to 42 so that most people don't have to pr keep pushing the button you know and, yeah. and it's it's uh um it's it's close to uh under two to one in all the bands so yeah, I, would, I, I would i would look and see if there's anything else that's influencing it uh or yeah well we what i i have it in kind of a flat top you know uh in you know a flat top uh in you know kind of in and and we changed it and to see if that might change that and it didn't so what i just basically did my because my radio my main tuner and the radio wouldn't wouldn't yeah. tune it out so i just bought me an auto tuner and now it works great <laughs> you know it, it well, took care of the problem yeah, yeah it, i don't think the problem was the end it's there was something i think influencing the antenna because uh, that's that's what i'm thinking too yeah and that you know, it, it sees a big capacitor or an inductor out there with something, and it says, wait a minute, that's going to affect it a little bit. Because yeah. uh, I'm using like 21 feet of, two 21-foot sections of uh, top rail, fence top rail, Yeah. Uh, because I don't have any trees. And so I we we connected, you know, we kind of bolted both ends of that to the chain link, chain link fence and then ran the antenna kind yeah. of in a flat top configuration. And uh, yeah, so it might be something there, you know. It might be the chain link fence that's just causing some issues. But as yeah. long as you got, as long as you got it working and and uh, it radiates well for you, that's that's the important thing. Yeah, and it and it is now, and it 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 did on every band except forty meters. So yeah, it was doing doing good. Was it a sixty-six foot long fence? Uh, you know, I don't know <laughs> how long that fence was. But it, it may be resonant at 40 meters, and that's what it was. It was seeing a big reflector, for example. Yeah, yeah, that 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 makes sense. 
Any other questions? You're getting letting me off easy. Uh, I got a question. One more question. Well, I got sure. probably, but I'm trying to give everybody else a break. Let them in there. Uh, power out the antenna. Which which antenna do you think could generate the most power? The uh, the uh, the seventy one foot uh, non resident or the sixty seven feet resident in fed. If you had both of them side by side and you're trying to work 40 meters, which one do you think actually radiates more? Does the four to one cut less power than the nine to one or does it matter? Or have you done any studies? It doesn't matter. It's all about how it matches the antenna. And so uh, as long as it's matched okay, you know, resonant versus non-resonant radiate exactly the same. It's all about how you're matching them. As long as the match is good, you should be fine. You saw that the four to one had slightly so, slower SW, smaller SWRs on some bands, but on the other hand, it couldn't work some of the other bands that the, uh, the, the 40 meter one could. So the, the answer is if I had to put it up in the air, um, I always prefer an off-center fed versus an off-center fed in fed. But I, I have found in practice, I really can't tell the difference in terms of, of signal reports or people that I can work. Okay, that's good. So either way, either way should should be okay. <clears throat> well, I can talk about electroculture more. I have one question about the the chokes and go, okay. the noise filters. Yeah. A very simple question. Um, now you basically, you know, there's a SO, whatever that connection is, I always get it mixed up where you just, you know, screw in the coax on each side. Is there a right way or wrong way to connect that filter or choke? No, there's not. They're, they're bi-directional and they will carry a DC current if you have DC bias, if you're biasing something at, at a, an antenna switch, for example. So there is, there is no in and out. Uh, uh, they're both in, they're both ins or they're both outs. And they do carry DC current, so okay, it won't make any difference. All our chokes are like that. And we were talking about that the other day. We were curious about it, so I thought I'd throw it out there. Why we have you here? Thank you. Now, if you're using the ones with the static bleeders, you put the static bleeder towards the radio. Uh, if you're if you're if you put the static if you put the chokes with the static bleeders at the radio end, you would put the uh, uh, the coax at the uh, Towards the radio. That's the only one that makes a difference. Okay. One more, one more, Bob. The bullet antenna uh, has the wing nut for counterpoise. Uh, you do not want to run that to a ground rod. Correct. That's you? like that's like grounding half your dipole. That's. I, I think I've heard someone do that before and uh it's, it's that wouldn't be that wouldn't be the case if you had an end fed half wave you it, or would that be the same thing on one of those some people have the 49 to one and they're grounded well, I'll, I'll tell you a little secret on end fed half waves 
they're, they're really off-center feds. They just have a very little counterpoise. But I will tell you, and, and I, I, we sold these for a long time, you know, for almost a year. If you take that NFED halfway, the 40 through six meter one that we had that only showed four dips, you know, 40, 20, 15, and 10. If you take a choke and you put it out about 16 feet, you can work to all the work bands. You'll get dips on every one of them. And what that tells me is, is that uh, uh, um, it, 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 it tunes like the bullet antenna, the 71 footer. It's a 66 foot length plus a 16 foot length happens to be what, 82 feet. And where that, that, that 49 to one is, it happens to work not only on the, the individual harmonic bands, but it also pick up the um, some of the work bands in between. Not as many as the ones that we have, but it will pick up some of those bands. But you got to put that counterpoise on there. Normally, you would use a counterpoise from one to three feet on those, and you'll actually get much better operation. But you never ground it. <laughs> they're not verticals. I mean, they're not 66-foot verticals. And ours aren't either. Ours are basically dipoles. Was, did I answer your question? Yes, yes, you did. Now, I'm yeah, Bob, for those folks who don't have it, maybe can you describe the construction of the bullet? I mean, I think it's built like a tank. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Well, if you're if you're familiar with a, a solid state amplifier. A solid state amplifier, if you just look at the PC board, it's usually got two columns of beads where the output goes. All right? And those are tied to the, the two transistors, for example. Those beads are uh, usually uh, about an inch, uh, depending upon the size. We use beads that are an inch long and they're about an inch wide. And uh, we use anywhere from two to uh, uh, eight of those, depending upon the power level. But with just two beads, two small beads, all right? Uh, if you were to compare that to a toroid four to one, for example, a toroid four to one transformer, you got to use two big circles, two big rings. Each one's going to have on it approximately two wires of 48 to 60 inches a piece, right? And then you're going to then you're going to put them together in parallel on one side on the primary, and in series on the other side for the secondary. That's a total of 48 times four, or roughly 200 inches of wire. Right, and because of that, that becomes resonant at lots of different frequencies, right around 21, 22 megahertz. And so you can't get that 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 toroidal transformer to go much above 30 megahertz. Now I'm going to contrast it the way we do it. What we do is we use two beads, an inch an inch an inch long, an inch wide with a half inch hole, and we use 12 inches of wire total. That's it. There's two, there's two turns through both of those. You put the beads together like you do a binocular, set of binoculars. And you run that wire from the center conductor, or from the ground of the SO239. You run it through once, and then you run it through twice, connected to the center conductor. You run it through two more times from the center conductor, and that becomes the output of a four to one. <clears throat> and so yeah, now I've got a small amount of wire which means it's resonant at a very, very high frequency. However, it is flat under two to one, almost to 200 megahertz and starting at roughly 
uh, one one and a half megahertz, right? And the reason they're they're so wide band is because there's a lot less wire, a lot less labor, so we keep our prices down, all right? And it will take all it will take more power because there's less wire too, all right? And we can use a material. We can use two beads, and I can put 500 watts of digital through that all day long. They can't even do that with the two rings together for the most part. And if they want to go to 5,000 watts, they got to put a huge ring or five rings in, in series. I mean, in parallel with each other. We don't. If we got 5,000, we just put eight, eight beads, four in each row, and we're good for 5,000 watts. And then we're only using maybe 30 inches, 40 inches of water. And they're using, you know, a lot more than that. So we use less wire. Uh, we use different materials and we use the same concept that they use in the linear amplifiers. And as a result, they become very, very broadband and uh, a lot uh, a lot more useful and uh, they're smaller. And so when we when we uh, foam them in, we foam them in those uh, those uh, bullets, they won't move. They're very sturdy and they're easy to uh, uh, you can you can throw them against a tree practically. In fact, that's how they got their name. By the way, I didn't tell you that mm -hmm. before. We had the Boy Scouts over here, and they said uh, we're looking for an antenna for our our jamboree on the air. What do you got? I said, here, take a look at this one. And I had just put that together, and they, and I said, throw it over that branch over there and let it land on the ground. So they did. The branch was twenty feet, in the, well, fifteen feet in the air. They threw it over there with a the wire, landed on the ground, and went thump. And then they strung the wire out 71 foot. We put the coax on it. And they said, this thing looks like a bullet because it had a little ream on the bottom of it, for example. I said, that's what we're going to name it. Well, the Boy Scouts ordered 500 of those things. For their wow. <laughs> right. They're all, they're, they use a lot of these on the jamboree on the ears. You know, the one they had down here in San Diego, they had 2,000 scouts. And we had, I don't know, 10 or 15 bullet antennas down there with stations on the air. So that's the that's how it got its name, and uh, they're they're they are very uh, robust put it that way. So a question Never. about uh, question about lightning. Um, what can you tell us about uh, lightning protection for one of those NFED antennas? Okay, well I can tell you that all of our balance are DC grounded. Right, so that so that if you were took an ohm meter, and you went to the output on the top to the to the ground on the side, you'd see zero ohms or very close to zero ohms. So they're DC grounded, right? Now, like any antenna, if a lightning bolt hits it, right, a lightning bolt is going to try and find the ground. Well, the only ground that you really got is the uh, is the braid of the cable, right? Because the other parts are both floating, so to speak. So it's going to go through the cable, but <clears throat> if it hits the top uh, input, it'll short out to the to the to the ground if you have one, and if not, uh, it's just going to follow the cable into the radio station. So it's no worse or no uh, no better than any other one, other than uh, uh, it gets rid of um, static issues fairly easily, because there is no DC uh, uh, there is a DC continuity between the, the output and the input. So if you have a good ground at the station, uh, the input uh, will be grounded DC-wise. RF-wise it's not, but DC-wise it is. So you're, you're better off doing that than you would be 
<clears throat> doing some type of fancy 49 to 1 where you have high voltage on it to begin with. So just having a good station ground yes. is is really what you need. Yeah. Yeah, you need a good station ground, no matter what. Yeah. But it helps yeah. with it helps with that. Yeah. Our static bleeders are used for you know wind static and, and those types of things. And you know, it's to some extent static in the air, but uh, for the most part, uh, they're they're used to, as a as a way to protect your front end of your radios. Because we get a lot of lightning back here. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you do. Now they're not they're not lightning arresters. You still run you know your coax through a lightning arrestor before it gets to the station, so that it doesn't take out your station. But uh, that's that's always a good idea. These are not meant to be lightning arresters. They're, they're meant to be DC grounded, so you you don't have that issue. But uh, the you know they're they're shorted from that standpoint. Mm -mm. I guess the other question I had was about uh, what uh, what versions uh, would would be good to be uh, like parks on the air QRP type rigs. Uh, we do a lot of parks on the air, summits on the air, those types of things, and uh, most of the people use those hundred watt, hundred watt uh, versions of the uh, of the, the little black boxes that I showed you in the in in one of the slides there. It's 100 watts, and you just use, uh, you know, either 55 or 71 feet of wire. But uh, you can also use the four. If it depends upon which band you want to work. If you want to work just 40 and up, you get a 41 feet piece of wire, and then you put your choke down at 16 feet, and now you have 40 through six meters. And it's small, it's lightweight, and you can, you know, put it on top of bushes, or you can have a little uh, fiberglass pole that goes up and go to a tree or or something like that. That's probably the easiest way to get it on the air. Make your con make your you know number of contacts on the different bands, and then uh, go to the next one. Yeah, I was going to say a lot of them use the uh, either the bamboo or fiberglass. Uh, they call them a squid pole, but yeah. basically a telescopic pole, and the the wire yeah. goes up to the top of it, and then you you tie off the end of it off to a bush or something somewhere. So it's kind of a inverted L shape. Yeah, yeah. usually inverted L, and then. Uh, if you use the short, uh, the short version, the 41 footer, you only need 16 feet. So, you know, and just feed that, uh, put, get a 25 foot piece of cable and put your choke at 16 feet, plug it into your radio on the, on the, on the picnic table and you're off and set to go. Yeah. And typically they don't, they don't offer anything above uh, 40 meter. Usually it's uh, 20, 30 and 40. Yep. Well, um, that's the NFED half waves are like that. Ours are, you know, a, a 41 footer will work uh, 40 through six. And, yeah. and, all, and all the work bands. Yeah, no, 30 is a pretty popular band for a lot of yep. summits on the air. Yep. And a lot of summits don't have any trees. So that, yeah, that I think the idea. other thing is that they're doing parks on the air during the daytime, and 80 meters is not a daytime band. Yeah. Oh, uh, no, no, that's yeah. true. There's a, lot, there's a lot of guys on 17, I know, and 30. But, uh, yeah. yeah I mean, that product is still on our website, the 41 footer. And we do sell it for for to the parks on the air guys, and uh, or summits on the air, and uh, they just they just they get they get the little hundred water the small one, and that's it's cheap and it's uh, it's got the wire with it or you can just buy it individually and put you know really small wire on it twenty four or twenty you know, twenty two or so. A lot of people on twenty meters doing parks on the air too. Boy, it, it, yep. a lot of. Yep. 
Anybody else got anything? Uh, Bob's probably about ready to go eat dinner. Yeah, well, one one comment. Somebody was talking about that you can get things faster if you order it from HRO. I think they said, well, I ordered mine directly from Bob and I got it in two days. So um, don't worry about the speeds. Yeah, it, it just depends upon whether we got it in, in the stock or not. And uh, if, HRO's, if HRO's got it, uh, you can get it almost immediately. If we don't have it in stock, I have to have it made. And uh, <clears throat> we we have people making stuff for us every day. All these, a lot of independent contractors keep a lot of these old guys busy. <laughs> and uh, uh, sometimes it takes a, you know a couple of days for us to get them. Yeah, I I got I ordered mine from HRO in uh, in Atlanta, and it, uh, of course being in Tennessee here, it was on my doorstep the next day. Oh, good. It was, like, it was right there, you know. So. You got well, it right just, out. They just ordered 200 bullet antennas from us about three weeks ago. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. That's like uh, every month, you know. I'm saying, I mean, you can tell how popular those darn things are. Yeah. I I don't know how many people I've talked to on on uh, when I'm up on 20 meters who has one of those, and it and they sound good. You know, like we're all like just lots of people, just you know, yeah. that happen. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad. It makes me happy. We've, we've been able to get a lot of people on the air and, and uh, you know, they're having a good time. Yeah. yeah, we had a new ham, new blonde ham uh, email me last week. He just got his general license and just got a TS-590 and a voice chip. He says, what antenna do you recommend? And I, of course, I went over to HRO and got the link, says, this is the one that, that we recommend and it's the one that everybody's using and I've never heard anybody that was not happy with it. Well, good. We sell, we sell them all over the world. Yeah, I can actually tune up on 160 on my 71 foot. I think that's kind of cool. Well, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I did that the other day and um, with the audio auto tuner that I have, if you go back and you just push that button, it, it doesn't retune it. But what you hear a little click, click, it's like it mem and they, and it says if it memorizes where you last tuned up, it'll, it'll be there. And it, and it did. And it was on the 160 meters. Wow. Just, it was wow. amazing. I'm like, wow, that's pretty, pretty cool. <laughs> Anybody ever tried on six meters? Yes, yes, I've made several FTA contacts on six meters with mine. Oh, good. Uh, a lot of them, ten meters over in Europe. Uh, yep, definitely. But uh, but I've got the ninety-seven foot, you know, and I'm running. Uh, when I ordered it, it came with I got the super choke, the big square box choke yep. that come with it. Yep. And I got the legal limit version and you sent me uh, the counterpoise kit. It had a 12 foot and a 15 foot counterpoise. And then I added some more to it. I think I had another 30, 35 feet more to it. And mine's in the attic and it's sort of shaped like a C. It goes down 10 feet over the back wall, 30 feet down, 58 feet down the back wall and then over the end wall. And then I got the bullet. You know, and then I got, uh, like I said, 35 feet of, co of uh, 
counterpoise going one way and then the 12 foot going one way and 15 going the other. I got three counterpoise on it. Does that matter having three counterpoise? No, no. The more fact, we, the better. When they first came out, we had two 15, two, a 12 and a 15, I think it was, or, or two 15s. And the purpose for that was, the, you know, all the summits on the air guys, they didn't, they only had 10 feet of coax. And so <laughs> there wasn't enough coax, there wasn't enough uh, uh, counterpoise to make a difference. And so we just put multiple counterpoises on there. Now it's okay to put multiple counterpoises with different lengths. And so what, what in effect you're doing is, is you're creating different antennas on different frequencies. So uh, for example, if, um, if you had a, a 42 footer on and they're all in parallel and, and the radio or the, the, uh, the, uh, the electronics will pick out whatever one is, is more resonant, right? So, if, for example, you put the uh, 42 footer on there and for some reason you just can't get 30 meters to come in, for whatever reason. Well, you can put another counterpoise off the side of the uh, matching unit and just and, and adjust it so that 30 meters comes in fine, right? It might be shorter or longer than the 42 footer, right? And, and so what'll happen is, is when you transmit on 30, it will use that one, but on all the other bands, it'll use a different one. All right, or I'll use a combination of them. So whatever the impedance is, it'll try and match it the best it can. Kind of like a fan dipole. Kind of like a fan dipole, right? You yeah. just have fan counterpoises. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> yep. And it uses the one that it, that it likes the best. It's like ra radials, the more the better. Yeah. I, I hate to interrupt, but I just wanted to say, Thank you for the talk. I appreciate it. It's past my bedtime. I got to go to bed. Good night, okay. guys. Good night. Thanks, Shane. See you, Shane. Well, Bob, we appreciate it. It's always been very, very informational and informative. We, I like I was telling the guys the other day, the NFED talk that you gave to another club, I've listened to it four times. And every time I listen to it, I learn something different. I said, I've got to stop. So when I listen to this one, I'll listen to it multiple times and we'll get credit for it because it's our own video. <laughs> okay. Well, that, that's good. That's, that's good. <clears throat> I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, I think that the thing on the, the uh, electric culture, that just blew me away. That just, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and so did this the stuff on this in these antennas. You you were had a wealth of information tonight. Yeah. Thank you very much for that. Are you going to put this up on your um, on uh, YouTube on your blind hams? Yes, it'll be on the, our YouTube mm -hmm. channel. It'll be on our podcast also, and I'll send you links to both of them. Yeah, send me a link, and then I will put it up on our website. Because when people look at the presentations, I can say, well, it's available here, which means people will go watch it there great great Appreciate wow that's that. good I'll do, I'll do that that'll help you guys out all right bob anybody got one more one more time let's go last call for a question <laughs> all right it's been my pleasure as usual and uh i'll have some i'll have some more dreamed up in the future that uh i'll tell you guys about keep in touch we'll be glad to have you back you know all right. yes yep thank well, you always yep. a pleasure thank you here. I'm going to sign off and I'll see you guys later and give me a call if you need to, or drop me an email and we'll try and answer your questions. Hi, Bob. Seven Thanks very much. Thanks, Bob. I'll be dropping by to get a choke from you. Okay. <laughs> <Bye>. yep. <laughs>
Very good. <laughs> thanks for thanks thank for the uh, presentation. All right. Thank you, well. sir. Have yep. a great night. Yeah. All right. You yep. too. And send me that link. I'll get it fixed up for you tomorrow. I will. Yeah. Bye bye. Thanks, Joel. And that's a wrap. So thank you all for coming. Thank you for listening. Remember to check us out at www.blindhams.com. And most importantly, look us up on YouTube. Look up CQ Blind Hams and subscribe to it if you haven't. Get your friends to subscribe and watch, watch, watch this and many other informative uh, podcasts and videos that we've got up there. So until uh, next month, I believe that's going to be September 14th, if I'm not mistaken. This is uh, CQ Blind Hams Tech Zoom 7-3-L. 7-3. All. 7-3. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and visit www.blindhams.com.